Welcome to episode 302 of the Deeper Christian Podcast. This is the podcast to help you study God's Word, know Jesus intimately, and discover how you can build your life around Jesus Christ. I'm Nathan Johnson, and in today's episode, I want to talk about God's amazing grace. Let's dive in. Over the next several episodes, I want to walk through a passage of scripture with you. I've been meditating and just pondering Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 15 for some time now. And in our remodel season that we've been in for Ellerslie, I've been walking through with that group, just kind of a devotional series, walking through Titus chapter 2. And I just thought it'd be fun to bring that study and walk through it here with you on the podcast. So if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to look at Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 15. Here's what Paul says. He writes, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us that denying ungodliness and worldly desires, we should live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all lawlessness and purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good works. These things speak and exhort and reprove with all authority. Let no one disregard you. When you look at the context of the book of Titus, here is Paul writing to this young guy named Titus who is ministering and kind of leading the church on this island of Crete. Now, as you walk through chapter one, you find out that the Cretans actually are not a rather healthy bunch of people. (laughs) But needless to say, Paul is exhorting Titus. All right, here, I want you to build up the church. I want you to establish some elders. And I want you to begin to train the older men, the older women, the younger men, the younger women on this is what a godly life looks like. Now, he flows out of all that and he gets to our section. And again, he starts by saying this. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us. I don't know about you, but when you look at the modern culture today in the church, there has been a great distortion of grace. We've kind of taken grace and we've dumbed down the idea to this idea of merely salvation or a pat on the head, or one of the ways that we've described it is, you know, it's a warm overcoat in the wintertime. You know, it's freezing outside. And so what does God do? Oh, well, he gives you this warm hug, this warm coat called grace. But it's missing the oomph of the power of grace itself. That that we've so simplified or, or truncated grace that it actually doesn't mean very much. It's interesting in the book of Jude, Jude says this in verse four. He says, for certain persons have crept in unnoticed, speaking to the church, those who have long beforehand marked out for this condemnation, ungodly persons who turn the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only master and Lord, Jesus Christ. And I think that describes our modern church incredibly well, that that we have this whole group of people who are in the church who call themselves godly, who call themselves Christians, and yet... They have taken God's grace and use it so they can live in any kind of sin and wickedness that they desire. Well, God will forgive me, they say. So it really doesn't matter what I do. I can do whatever I want to do. I don't have to live a holy, godly life. 
And Jude says those individuals who misuse the grace of God are actually ungodly persons, that they're, they're not believers because Christians do not mishandle God's grace. So when you look at God's grace, then it is an action, but it's far more than an action. It's a power, but it's way more than power. There is an aspect of mercy, but it, it is more than mercy. There is an aspect of kindness and virtue in this idea of grace, but it's, it's more than even those. It is a gift. And that's what the Bible says, that grace is a gift. And yet somehow it is even more than a gift. And it, it is a legal work in our lives of, of atonement and propitiation and justification and redemption and forgiveness and adoption and all those other really big theological terms. <laughs> and yet it's more than that. Isn't it interesting that grace, when you really get into this idea of grace, grace is a person, his name is Jesus. And it's literally by the grace of God, it's through the spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, that it actually enables us to function as we are called to live as Christians. In other words, it is forgiveness. There is an aspect of forgiveness and grace or mercy and kindness and, and that legal work on our behalf. And yet it is also the thing that we tend to forget in the modern church is that God's grace is the power, the enablement, the engine that we have to actually live out the impossible Christian life. So, so how can we walk in love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control? It's through God's grace. It's through his enabling spirit in our lives. And yes, we are fully participating. And yet we got to remember that it's not by our works, our wisdom, our talent, our ability. Rather, we live by his life, by his grace. So when you look at this idea of God's amazing grace, then I want to just give a couple of ideas when it comes to this idea of grace. Number one, we need to remember that God's amazing grace is a gift. As Paul says in Ephesians chapter two, verse eight, for by grace, you have been saved through faith and this not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Or Paul says in second Corinthians chapter nine, verse 14 and 15, because of the surpassing grace of God on you, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Do you realize that God's grace is a gift to you? That it's not something you can earn or perform. Rather, it is given to you. And a second idea about God's amazing grace is that it is manifold. And the word manifold, I, I really love this idea. If, if you ever like look at a curtain that's kind of bunched up, it has a whole bunch of folds. It has a whole bunch of layers that God's grace is like that. There's all these layers of depth, of richness, of meaning. Listen to what Paul, uh, Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. He says, as each one has received a gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. In other words, God's grace has all these folds. It is this richness of all that God's grace does in and through our lives. So I just want to give you a short list. This is not a complete list, but when we talk about the manifold grace of God, I just want to point out some of the things that scripture says that God's grace enables us to do. And if you'd like to see a whole list of, of, of these, uh, I'll put all this in the show notes so you can come back and, and get all the scripture passages. But listen to what God's grace has given to us for, that we might labor more abundantly, 1 Corinthians 15, 10, that we may have sufficiency in all things, 
2 Corinthians 9.8, that we may abound to every good work, 2 Corinthians 9.8, for obedience to the faith, Romans 1.5, as power for witnessing of the resurrection of Jesus, Acts 4.33, that we may lay foundations of faith and discipleship, 1 Corinthians 3.10, for ministry, Ephesians 3.1, for preaching Christ within the pagan world, Ephesians 3.8, as our means of help in our time of need, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, whereby we may serve God acceptably, Hebrews 12.28. And God's grace makes us perfect, establishes us, strengthens us, and settles us, as 1 Peter 5.10 tells us. It's there to save us, Ephesians 2.8, and it enables others to believe in Jesus, Acts 18, verse 27. I don't know about you, but when I hear that list, God's grace is truly amazing. And I, and I know that's kind of a cliche at this point in the church that, you know, we sing a God, you know, amazing grace, you know, wow, think about God's grace. It's so amazing. And yet it truly is that it is the power for us to live. It is the power for us to believe. It enables us to live the triumphant Christian life that we are called to live in. So as you look back at Titus chapter two, then listen to this afresh. Paul writes that the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men and instructing us. Now, when you just think about those three things, do you realize that God's grace has appeared? And not only... Paul says it has it appeared, but it is bringing salvation to all men, meaning it's available. So this is not some thing that's out there somewhere. And maybe if you can find it really, you know, if you search really hard, maybe you can find it. No, it is appeared and it is available. See, you are not a special case where God's grace won't work for you. God's grace has appeared and it is available that you can live by God's grace. And I love what Paul says too. He says that God's grace instructs us. It's interesting that word instruct means to teach or to correct or to chastise. It's this idea of bringing correction. Imagine here's this parent and they see this child who is doing something they should not do. And so what does a parent do? Well, that parent will bring correction. They will chastise. They will teach. They will instruct that child. And my parents instructed me a lot with the spatula, <laughs> that they were bringing correction in my life on things that that were not supposed to be there, that that I would be walking rebellion or sin or or some, you know, uh, improper behavior or attitude. And so my parents would correct that. And do you realize that God's grace lovingly does that in our lives as well, that that God's grace instructs us to live a certain way that it brings correction and it molds us and conforms us so that our lives actually are that of Christians, that we are being conformed to the image of Christ. Now, we'll talk more in the next episode about those two realities of what God's grace is instructing us to do. And again, if you, if you read through Titus chapter two, it says that it's teaching us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly. So I wanna talk more about that in the next episode. But I want to leave you with this thought. I have been really loving 2 Corinthians 9.8. It's been a meditation in my life for the last couple of months, and it's been just a rich thought. Uh, let me just read this to you. 2 Corinthians 9.8 says, and God is able. Now, if we just stop there, that alone is a great thought. God is able. 
But what is he able to do? Paul says God is able to make every grace abound to you so that in everything, at every time, having every sufficiency, you may have an abundance for every good deed. I love just the way that that's stated. That everything, at every time, with every sufficiency, you will actually have an abundance for everything that you're supposed to do, for every good deed. And how does that all come about? It's because God is able to make every grace abound to you. That his manifold wonder of grace is available and has appeared and is actually working in your life as a believer. Can I encourage you? Don't try to grit your teeth and live out Christianity. Rather, live by his life. Be sourced by his spirit. Be enabled by his incredible grace. And what you'll find is that those things that you've never been able to do, like love your neighbor that just drives you crazy or walk in joy or not fear. How on earth are we supposed to live like that? I mean, how on earth are we going to pull that off? Not fear, always walk in joy, live in a constant peace and love. Well, how is that even possible? Well, it's not possible in your strength. It's not possible in your talent or your wisdom, but it is possible when we live by his enabling grace. Can I encourage you to go spend some time with Jesus and ask him afresh that that 2 Corinthians 9, 8 would actually become the reality of your life because he is able and because he has promised and because he is able, he is able to make every grace abound to me. That, that he is able that in every time, with every sufficiency, in everything, I can actually have an abundance for every good deed. What if I would actually spend time with Jesus and ask him for a greater measure of his grace? Not merely forgiveness, not merely the hug, but his overwhelming empowerment, the manifold richness of his life. What an amazing opportunity and privilege we have as believers to live according to the life and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, in the next episode, we're going to keep diving into Titus chapter two. And I want to talk about this idea of what does it mean to deny ungodliness and worldly desires? So I hope you'll join me for that next episode. For show notes of this episode, including a list of all those manifold wonders of grace and in the passages, you can find all of that by going to the show notes for this episode at deeperchristian.com forward slash 302 for episode 302. And until next time, know I'm cheering you on and I'm praying for you as you continue to build your life around Jesus Christ. <laughs>